Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, and a fabulous guest for you today, and I hope we're going to have a, or you're going to enjoy this conversation. He set up his first business aged just 13 and went on to work with Deutsche Bank and PwC, witnessing firsthand some of the wellbeing and inclusion issues that need to be tackled in the corporate world. In 2015, an unexpected family tragedy changed his life forever, and on returning to work, he saw the power of being able to share his emotions and being his full self. Recognising that everyone has a story, he wanted to encourage others to share and saw the power of storytelling. He's the founder of TLC Lions and the Unwind Experience and is passionate about igniting emotion in the workplace, encouraging others to share and be themselves at work. And his work has now reached over 57 countries around the world and is featured in The Independent, Business Advisor and part of a BBC One documentary. He's been invited to interview such names as Dame Esther Renson and Reggie Yates and has spoken at events alongside His Royal Highness Prince William and pop star Will Young. He also sits on the board of This Can Happen, which is the UK's largest mental health conference, and is supported by Westminster, hosting his own roundtables at the House of Lords to further the agenda alongside the UK government. This year in 2019, he was the winner of the NatWest Great British Entrepreneur Awards and has been named as one of Empower's 100 ethnic minority executives. Goodness me. Please welcome. That's a lot of stuff. Please welcome Gian Power. Gian, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. All good. That was a long introduction, wasn't it? it well, it was, but I and I shortened what I was going to say because you've been a really busy guy, haven't you? Yeah, it's been interesting. Last eighteen months, lots been happening. Um, but yeah, non-stop. But all good fun. <laughs> Take us back in time, and just if you don't mind, just give uh, give. Uh, me and the listeners just a background to who you are and how you got to where you are and, and what you're doing these days sure yeah so my background as you said I kind of set up my first business at 13 absolutely loved it so that entrepreneurial nature I guess came out quite young um, but then kind of went down a bit more of a traditional route university um, joined Deutsche Bank as you say and I kind of grew up with my dad who's an entrepreneur by background and really kind of put this go-getting nature within me and said whatever you want you can kind of go out and achieve but my yeah. mum, quite the opposite, I guess. She's kind of does a lot with children, a counsellor by background, a very calm. So they kind of brought me up together, very normal upbringing. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, I kind of joined PwC, uh, very much performance-driven, focused. Um, but then, yeah, nine months into joining there, a lot changed for me uh, one night in 2015. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, kind of was working in the city. Um, so my dad got murdered overseas. And right. I guess uh, just right. a very normal life as I knew it kind of went across the media and my attempt to try and get justice for dad. 
Um, but more importantly, really, um, you know, I took three months out of work. PwC were hugely supportive and they really, really mm-hmm. were great. I think, you know, when you've got organizations who feel like a second family, it makes all the difference. But yeah. when I came back into the office, so many things changed. And I started, you know, a lot more people started sharing their stories with me. And I realized that everybody has a story. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, a colleague of mine who I joined with, he was 23. He jumped off the building and ended his life. And it just oh, made me realize, like, we've got to do more to bring human back to corporates. We're human mm-hmm. beings, not human doings. And, you know, I kind of wanted to do more. So, yeah, in short, I recognize everybody has a story. And actually, when you have a story to share and you share it at work, and you have mm-hmm. leaders who are caring, kind and understanding, actually, it allowed me to really thrive. I never took a sick day. I was much more productive, so much more loyal. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to do more across the city. So hence why I left and went on a mission to ignite emotion in the workplace through storytelling with TLC Lions, Lion being mine and my dad's middle name. Sure. And I mean, you you kind of very quickly glossed over what must have been one of the most horrendous experiences anybody can, 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 you know, have to come to, to cope with and come to terms with. And then back into an environment where, you know, my, my background's accountancy as well. And you, you, you know, an environment where people don't want to show um, anything but strength. They don't like to show weakness, and obviously, that's an incredibly, uh, incredibly unhealthy way to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I just, you know, my I suppose you could say I didn't really have a choice because it was in the media mm-hmm. and I had to speak up. But actually, it was so much better when I did because it was like a pressure valve had been released. But you've got to right. have the right people around you, the right leaders who are caring and understanding. Because if you don't, then people do bottle it up. And that's why this mm. stuff really does start at the top. And it starts with leading by example in organizations. And, you know, we often say our leaders, are they contagious? Are they really mm-hmm. empowering their employees to speak up? What was the what was the trigger though? What was which was where was what was the point where you thought, do you know what? Speaking the way I am is actually making a difference for me. Yeah, I guess it was when I well, I started realizing that I had two projects going on at the same time and with one, the leader was really she was so busy, but she was so caring and understanding. She's called Izzy Gross. She's a good friend right. of mine today and she was just yeah, she just listened and listened to understand not to just respond and created that mm-hmm. safe place and i would then realize that i'd go above and beyond for her versus another project I, you know i was working i remember till two three in the morning one night and i went over to the manager and i said look i've got to go and she said she didn't even look at me she just looked at her watch and said be back in in five hours and mm-hmm. i just remember thinking wow that's not where i want to work that's not the type <laughs> of leader i want to be and it yeah. just made me think, God, I'm going to do so much more for the other person. And I guess that's when the penny dropped, mm-hmm. um, that we've got to do more. But similarly, there's one senior partner who shared her story with me of something happened when she was 26. And, you know, we were like all tears going in an office one day. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, why have you never shared this? I was like, it's so much more inspiring to know that people who've made it, whatever that looks like, have gone through their own turbulent times. I thought, my God, I've got to do more to get the human out in people. That's a really interesting thing you you said there. You know, so much more inspiring when when there's mm. that level of honesty, because um, we talk about honesty all the time and you know being authentic and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of the time, it's just words. It's not real. Exactly. 
And I think, you know, I was doing some research recently into storytelling and words, and there's so many buzzwords now that it says that we're so used to hearing things like resilience and being your whole self at work, and they are important, mm-hmm. but we're so desensitized to them that the brain doesn't even compute them anymore. And I'm just right, trying to say, right. yeah, just be human. People walk into an office and they are a mother, a father, a son, a daughter. Don't let that mm-hmm. slip just because you go into a corporate environment. Care about your team like a second family. Yeah, no, it's, it's, everything you're saying is ringing very, very clear bells with me, and I'm sure it is with people listening as well. I remember walking into my my first uh, corporate job and thinking, oh, I better be the way that I, I think I should be. Yes. Um, and it was only later when I changed roles and went into a different company that I realised actually being myself was a whole lot better. Um, but happy workers are great workers, aren't they? I mean, it's Absolutely. not that's something we, everyone seems to understand. What does... What does the what does TLC Lines do? What's what's the purpose and and how does it work? Sure. So, um, in short, we brought together twenty five ordinary people with extraordinary stories, and mm-hmm. each of these lines really yeah has a powerful story to share, but an understanding of the corporate world, and they're people who are really championing in that respective field today. So we work with around 95 uh, multinational companies to really ignite Mm -hmm. this emotion and human back through storytelling. So that could be through kind of whether we do lunch and learns or we do AGMs or we, you know, get involved in what what might be a technical training, for example. We'll bring that to life at the end through one of our stories. Um, And the focus is to ignite that emotion, to evoke that and to get people, it's almost like a ripple effect. If you hear somebody sharing, people start to open up and it builds a circle of trust and people then start sharing themselves internally. So that's kind of what our focus and that's what our mission is through our awesome lines we brought together. So wait, how does a company, what what do they think? They think, oh, do you know what? I've heard of these guys, we'll get them in. Or is there a, is there a trigger for their businesses where they understand that actually it's time to, to speak to someone like you and, 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 and the guys who work with you? Yeah, I guess so. so. We do a lot around well-being and inclusion in the workplace, and you know the business cases there as well. You know, there's a Deloitte report 2017 for every one pound invested in well-being, it yields nine pounds back. Or you know, the case for diversity inclusion, it can add up to 30 percent on the bottom line when we have a diverse board. So why aren't we doing more? Well, and I think yeah. businesses are waking up to realise that this is no longer just a nice to have. It's actually a business imperative, and it affects the bottom line. So I think that's twofold. That it's really you know one they've got to be seen to be doing it but actually hopefully waking up that this does affect the business it's uh, it's interesting when you, you mentioned business case there and and, and profit and um, you know I was talking with uh, with Rob Stevenson who I know you know earlier on in the in this series of podcasts and he was talking about budgets do the budgets exist for well-being or are they are they still you know it, it, does it, they still need to be made or money shifted or how how, how does a business where are we at at the moment in the corporates? So I guess um, I can only speak from my side, which is not as a budget holder, I suppose. But mm-hmm. yeah, some companies are waking up to it and realizing the importance of setting aside budgets and funds and the right resource that's required for this important topic. And I mm-hmm. challenge a lot of companies, instead of putting you know £5,000 behind the bar this Friday, actually invest it in something meaningful. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, not everything requires a budget. You know, there are the small and simple things that companies can be doing to make a huge difference. I think it's about realizing, you know, where the huge impact comes from. Um, So, yeah, I think in short, companies are waking up to it um, and setting budgets aside. But I challenge companies who are doing that not to make it a tick box exercise and make sure they're monitoring the return on investment and the difference they're making to their staff. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned some interesting figures there. Where do they come from? Uh, which figures? The one, the reports. I the, 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 yeah, the, the return on investment. That's, that's... Yeah, so that's from a Deloitte report. Monitor Deloitte did a report in October 2017. I think it was 22nd okay. of October. And it was commissioned mm-hmm. with the UK government. And this was, it was a huge, it was a really, really interesting study. That's the report that also started sharing the numbers around the cost of not just absenteeism in the workplace, people mm-hmm. obviously not being right. there, but also presenteeism, the cost of people being at work and not being focused on the job because they're thinking of other things. It's a huge, right. huge number, the billion, billions of impact that it has on organizations. And hopefully, you know, I remember reading the report and I emailed Elizabeth, one of the authors that night and went to meet her the next day to really dig deep into it a great report fantastic and so you obviously the big companies often have bigger pockets and you mentioned small things and simple things that businesses could do what can what small things and and free things i guess can small businesses do what can they be thinking of and what's what have you seen work really really well yeah i think there's just small things that you can do in teams i mean this is this is a random example because i just happened to be with a great guy called tuvia from goldman sachs today who was saying, uh-huh. you know, at the end of every day, he just high fives his team, keeps them happy, you know, makes them <laughs> Great, laugh. Yeah. And they might think, what are you doing? But he's like, hey, it's yeah. making you laugh, isn't it? You know, it's just small things that just kind of change morale within the team. Mm-hmm. But when, we, when we're looking, I suppose, at mental health and things like that, it's, you know, really encouraging uh, storytelling across individuals. Or, mm-hmm. you know, one of our clients, you know, Hyatt, who we have a great relationship with in some of their meetings mm-hmm. if it's an hour-long meeting spending the first few minutes in meditation doesn't cost anything right. just doing some breathing mm-hmm. exercises as a team even if they are on the line around the world and the remaining 55 minutes or whatever it is actually so much more productive the people who might okay. be often um, a bit more louder i suppose in those meetings are a bit calmer and quieter those who are normally right. quieter uh, kind of got a bit more of a voice because it just puts them on a level playing field you know, okay. IBM have yeah. a, a Monday morning meditation everybody can dial into. There's loads of different things I think mm-hmm. that people can do um, that see a nice return on that. not just investment of money, it's actually time and resource. Yeah. When you mention meditation, I mean, I, I, I can almost hear people going, oh, don't be ridiculous. Mm. Um, and the people who say that tend to be people who haven't been involved in it. And then when they do, they think, actually, what, what a fool I was. You know, this is really wonderful. Um, the unwind experience comes from that kind of mindset, doesn't it, of, of getting that, that group meditation going within a business. How, how does that work? Yeah, exactly. So just to kind of take you back where that evolved, there was a time, I suppose, for me when you know I had the media constantly outside the office and it was quite overwhelming. And actually mm. in a moment when it was just all really all-encompassing, um, a leader said to me, Gian, listen to this, go into the toilet, shut the door and listen to this. And I had no idea what it was, but it was a 10-minute meditation on YouTube. And I just thought, what on earth is this, similar to all the Mm -hmm. skeptics out there? But actually, in a situation that was hard to manage and navigate, I came back just, you know, being able to kind of navigate my way through it, really, and to deal Mm -hmm. with everything properly and accordingly. And then I realized that actually a few friends of mine were going out, going into hospital, should I say, uh, burning out. And I'd always ask the same question of, do you meditate? Have you tried meditation? And you know, you'd get that thing of, no, Gian, that's not for me. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, we've really got to get corporate friends of mine meditating. And it's got to be done in a way that's quite cool and accessible. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to have those religious connotations, um, despite mm-hmm. that being the origin. And yep. yeah, I was inspired to create this new concept of the Unwind experience. 
um, one of the first surround sound experiences that we take into right. organizations. Um, yeah, and it's been quite the journey since. <laughs> How does it work? So, yeah, we kind of have two sides to it. So one is that we'll do corporate meditation and we'll go into the likes of, kind of think we work with kind of Deloitte, Just Eat Universal Music, take your traditional rooms and really transform mm-hmm. them into our kind of special experience of a candlelit oasis and take right. them into a 30-minute guided meditation. But for us, it is this kind of experiential feel that we put our unique spin on it um, to really take employees away from their desks. Um, Similarly, we also do kind of bespoke brand activations. Um, Yeah, so working with awesome organizations to bring their brands to life, you know, rather than just speak about it, let's get people to feel it. Sure, absolutely. And how how does a manager, if you're sitting there with a team and um, and thinking, well, I I really want to, when when you, sorry, step back a moment. When you mentioned that meditation before meetings and the louder ones becoming slightly quieter and even better, the quieter ones getting a voice. If I was listening to that now with my team, I'd be thinking, oh, you know, that sounds really good. How can I start the journey for my team and my business? I think if, you, if you've got people in your team who might be a little bit sceptical, I think it's firstly just outlining to them the advantages of meditation. You know, it mm-hmm. can enhance decision-making, it can enhance productivity, it can reduce anxiety. There are so many awesome things and it's a tool that doesn't cost anything. We've all got a breath and it's kind of, well, most of us do, it's always there. And I think that's the first thing It's you know, if you've got a team, are they head or heart people? That's the first thing, making sure they understand the advantages. And then just don't put stress on people. Don't push it on people that you've got to meditate every day. I say there's no right or wrong way that everybody should or shouldn't meditate. Find what works for you. They might want to, for example, there's awesome apps, Headspace and Calm. I use Calm. Mm -hmm. It works for me. Just doing 10 minutes every day when I can. Um, Just take some time out for myself. And, you know, there's facts out there that actually people think that meditation takes time away from your day. But actually, if you can give it 10 minutes or whatever per day, it actually almost brings you time back because you're so much calmer, so much clearer thinking. And I can come up with so many ideas and I'm much more creative after I've meditated for 10 minutes. And 10 minutes is not a lot of time. I mean, we wait, we waste so much time, don't we, during our day? Do you know what? It's so true. I think, you know, we have 1,440 minutes in a day. What's 10 right. of those to take? <laughs> it leaves you with how many thousand and whatever for the rest of the day. Just take it out and it's... Yeah, and even it just helps me so so much every day. And uh, you know, when you're saying that, I think I, I look across my office at my exercise bike. <laughs> it frowns at me, and I think, God, you know, twenty minutes, ten minutes, half an hour. <laughs> but actually, you know, there's no, there's nothing you need other than some empty space, a set of headphones, and being left alone, really, which is which is a whole different thing. Exactly, exactly. You got it. How did you get involved with the House of Lords and and the roundtables there? Yeah, so I've got, I'm really proud to have a really great advisory board. Um, and one of my advisors is called Dr. Kamal Hoti. And so she's actually the UK's first female Asian bank manager. Um, right. And spent 40 years at Lloyd's Banking Group, but now is an amazing advisor on the Queen's Commonwealth Trust and a number of other charities. Now, she's been really kind of banging the drum around inclusion and well-being in the workplace for four decades and mm-hmm. um, does a lot in government and thanks to her as well and Baroness Verma who's a close friend of Kamel's um, Baroness Verma kindly offered to host us every quarter 
really believed right. in what we're doing, our passion and drive, sees the business mm-hmm. case and why it's the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, so the, the Baroness is actually the United Nations Chair for Women in the UK. So you can see the kind of obvious link into her passion sure, as well. Sure. And yeah, that's kind of how it evolved. And so who's at those tables and, and what does it achieve? Mm. So the tables are done in Chatham House Rules. And yeah, we have a variety of our clients uh, throughout different times of the year to discuss important topics that are close to them and dictated by them to really kind of, I want to push this agenda across industry. I want competitors sat next to each other, helping one another. I want non-traditional industries supporting each other. Um, And really just it's cross sharing of ideas across industry for greater good. At the end of the day, talent moves around and we need to help organisations and help each other. I, I, I mean, I didn't mean to pry in terms of the, the actual names, but I just wondered sort of what kind of style of, of business is there? Is it all big business that you, you're talking to? Are there smaller businesses involved as well? Yeah, so we've got a range of them and all of our clients are on the website. So, yeah, we work mm. with, so as mentioned, from kind of know, Sony Pictures to Warner Brothers, uh, all the way through to Rothschild, to Mastercard, American Express, Visa. Um, so a real kind of wide range of them. And again, there, you know, I've mentioned competitors, I've mentioned different industries, and it's really bringing the right people around the table, depending on the topic, to push this forward. How does storytelling change things? When you talk about, you know, people, obviously every, you say everyone has a story, and, and of course we all do, but storytelling and talking about your story are different things, aren't they? So I think they go hand in hand. I mean, storytelling has been around for thousands of years since, you know, cavemen were telling stories. These days, we just seem to have changed it with presentations, PowerPoints and things like that. You know, stories Mm. are 65% more memorable than facts. You know, they really, really are so important. And uh, I think, you know, when we tell a story, it releases different chemicals in the brain, oxytocin, which helps, you know, build trust and empathy among people. You know, that's mm-hmm. what we want in organizations. So actually, hopefully through the work that we do with the Lions and sharing stories and storytelling, it helps build that trust and empathy and evoke that within them to then go and do the same internally amongst each other. And those Lions are extraordinarily inspirational people. I mean, I know you mentioned they're ordinary people with extraordinary stories, but their stories are, are phenomenal. Um, and there's a real mix there. Is that something that's growing? Are you bringing more people into the Lions or have you got kind of the right mix at the moment? So we are always open to the right potential Lions if we see a right fit, but we have been, um, we have to be very selective with the right people, not only from a cultural point of view because, you know, it's a close community, but also um, what, what value is for our clients? You know, have they got mm-hmm. the corporate background? Can they can really bring their story to life? Um, and so I guess in, in, in short, we're always on the lookout for amazing talent. You know, this week mm-hmm. we brought on board Alexandra Kutas. Uh, Alexandra is the world's first runway model in a wheelchair. Um, really, oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, she's really, really awesome. I think just an amazing person. She's not only got a story to share, and people might see Alexandra in a wheelchair, but actually she talks about mental health, not about physical. Mm-hmm. And... You know, she's really championing the fashion industry today to change them for greater good. And that's what I'm about. It's one thing having a story and we all have one. And but it's actually what are people passionately doing and driving to make a change in that space? And yeah, across the 25 of them, I've got 
yeah, a right range. We've got Kiko who's really passionate about all things, you know, adventuring, the ocean, plastic. And then I'll be out mm-hmm. with George last night, who's another adventurer. And then Danny, who's in the film industry, and Jeremy, who's a lawyer. So it's really, really diverse. And they teach me so, so very much. Uh, you, you're um, incredibly lucky to be surrounded. I mean, obviously, we make our own luck in life, yeah. but to be surrounded by those sort of inspirations must drive you as well. Do you find that since you've put this together, you're becoming even better? Better in what respect? Well, as a, in, 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 in every way, I guess, as a person in, in, in what you achieve and how you think about those things. Yeah, I guess I always say that I can learn from anyone or anything, you know, mm. just anything i love like taking the good from it and each one of these 25 they've taught me something you know just i'm just kind of thinking about them now you know johnny benjamin who was the stranger on the bridge just such an awesome mm-hmm. guy who's done so much in the mental health space you know for people around the world with such like just love and admiration for what he does and he's just yeah we speak a lot about happiness and we spend time together or then i'll speak to you know george last night he's an adventurer and explorer He's then got so many world records and we just talk about like just the fun side of life and whatever we do, we want to enjoy it. You know, there's just so many all, all the way through to Jackie Gavin, who's um, one of our lions who's transgender, just teaching me so much. And I can get really curious with her and ask her questions that maybe people think you can't. So they really, really educate me about so many topics. Oh, I'm absolutely sure. And, you know, when, when I look at the – there's oh, such an impressive uh, of group of people. Um, when you look at them, and, and you mention them being ordinary people, what's lovely is that they are ordinary people. Mm. Um, and they are people who have, just like you, you know, been to work one day and the next day things are different. Yes. Or, you know, something's come to them. Um, I know, uh, you know, a couple there who are, who are friends of mine who um, – took an enormous amount of time to get to where they are now yes. and the ability from learn to learn quickly from people like that is is mm. is really really wonderful but having been all in one place yeah, i think that's yeah. also quite special no they're brilliant what's yeah what's the next step for the lions and, and for the unwind experience where do you take it next yeah, so we're constantly evolving and, to be honest, working with our clients on what that looks like. Um, now it's about kind of shaping, as I mentioned, bringing the right and any new lions on board, understanding where we might have gaps in what we do. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm really actively looking for somebody, maybe, um, you know, a cancer survivor who's been through the yep. workplace whilst going through that, um, domestic violence you know, male yep. and female who've been who've gone through that because it's very different. You know, going to work while suffering with that at home, it happens so much across yep. the industry. So for me, it's about finding the making sure that we are really representing as many stories as we can in the work that we do, and we're doing a lot more work internationally as well. So I've been ended right. up in I think sixteen countries this year. It's been quite of a hectic travel schedule, and it's just yeah, working with our clients overseas as well to ensure that one we can bring this to life across their organization globally but whilst also understanding kind of the cultural nuances in each geography which is super important for us well you you've you've just mentioned what i was going to ask which was how does culture affect this particularly with some of the more traditional cultures how do you bring out what you need to from those people yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, I'm half Indian by background and, you know, in our, in our culture, there's no word for mental health. There's no word for things like dementia. There's a huge, huge stigma attached and 
you know, it, there's, you can't just roll out a one-size-fits-all mental health strategy. I think people who are yeah. planning these, yes, it's great that we're seeing a change. It's vital that they understand the, the people, the makeup of their, their employees. Um, uh, we're doing a lot with, you know, charities like Alzheimer's Society. One of my advisors sits on the board there to really challenge them because dementia is going to be the biggest killer globally. I believe it's by 2030. And wow. actually, so much more needs to be done, especially an ethnic minority community to get people speaking mm -hmm. up about this um and yeah it's huge i mean when we look at one of our lines johnny benjamin i mentioned him again but the reason is you know johnny is from a jewish background johnny came out as gay and actually in that community it's very very difficult for him to come out and the knock-on effect was his mental health uh look i um my i'm my I'm Jewish as well. My my family, you know, going back forever yeah. as as much as things do. Um, and and my mum's gay. And um, when she came out to my grandfather, who's no longer alive, yeah. he didn't speak to her for three decades. Really? Um, yeah. And you, I mean, obviously that's had a massive effect on our family. Yeah. Um, but when I look back at it now, I think you silly old fool. What the hell? What you know? Um, because obviously we think differently. But that that mindset is is impossible to get your head around um and where someone can disown their own child it it it, it baffles me to to the core um yeah. and so when you're working with with cultures that are so ingrained like that um you know it, it isn't it isn't surprising that people have a hard time or you know even just um being honest with their families because it's it they, the knock-on for them is is too extreme so true and that's why i'm just like you know when i see meet people from different backgrounds i'm like just let people live let them be happy let them be their selves i think one of the mm -hmm. most amazing things about all the people we meet is their uniqueness and what they bring and i'm just like who am i to judge somebody else's life you know i know it's difficult in different cultures and we, we've got to battle and challenge them it's you know we were out in india last month with bloomberg and hyatt they're you know, talking about uh -huh. you know some of the issues around gender out there you know, there's yep. so much work, but actually together with the right people around the world, if we can start trying to combat some of these issues, we can make the world a better place for people to really be their unique selves. Is it a timing thing, do you think? Is there a... Is there a because uh, I look at my kids, and I, yeah. I talk about my kids a lot of the podcast, but I look at them now, and you know they don't see difference the way that I think I saw it at their age. Mm. Um, and even though we live in in a quite a sterile, I live in in the country in Oxfordshire, and it's a it's a fairly white middle class, you know, Anglo-Saxon part of Britain. Um, but they don't notice difference, mm. and you know the kids at school that Ben goes to in in, in Reading um, come from everywhere, every every mm. background you can imagine, um, which I think is really healthy. But as they grow up, their their attitudes to to race, to religion, to to gender, to sexual orientation, um, they seem so much broader and so much more together about them. Yeah. Is this is is the whole issue going to disappear? I think. There's a lot to do that, I believe, with kind of the perception in society because, you know, working with companies like Sony Pictures, Warner Brothers, Universal, films, mm -hmm. companies are waking up to make sure that things going out on TV are more diverse, that they're more inclusive, they're showing people of all backgrounds, you know, more people mm -hmm. on social media than ever now. So how do we make sure that the information and the TV and things that people see really bring it to everybody? Because when you go back to where I'm from, back up in the north of England in Durham, I was the only mm. non-white person in my school out of 500. You know, right, yeah. back then, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it was that long ago, but kind of, 
it compared to now i'm sure those kids watch so much tv so many things with such diverse cultures and things on social media they follow you know their favorite football teams that are now more inclusive than ever and ethnically diverse mm-hmm. so it's hopefully changing things and that's why i think the film industry has a huge responsibility to make sure that they're challenging this challenging the status quo so that people like your kids and also my niece who's five when i chat to her mm-hmm. about things she also doesn't see the difference you know she, yeah yeah it's really interesting it's quite lovely it's quite lovely when you see that and you just think fabulous <laughs> yeah. um you know if if what we could learn from a five-year-old a crikey oh, crikey a bit of creativity back from them as well it's awesome Oh, that that too, that as well. Look, I, I'm loving chatting with you, but I'm also conscious of time. And, and I'd love you just to, if you could leave just one thought perhaps, Gian, one golden nugget, one thing that people could do in their businesses and their lives today to make everything just a little bit nicer, a little bit better, what would that be? Yeah, I guess if anybody's listening, I say everybody has a story and it's not always easy to share. But if you can find the courage, maybe one-to-one or with somebody at work, to share it with them and let them know that you're always there to listen to them as well. I think if we can yep. do that, we'll create a lovely ripple effect, you know, to help each other and create more human workplaces where we can story share and work at the same time. What a great thing to finish on. Gian, thank you so, so much for your time. I've really loved having you as a guest. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, Please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.